So let's move into our full-on spoiler warning section. If you haven't checked her out before, this is just, this is a must experience. You need to read her at some point in your life. So for plot, this is actually quite simple because there ain't much plot in any Clary's work. <laughs> we start out being introduced to a girl learning the world. She's lost her parents, is growing up with the family, and we learn very early on she's wild and doesn't take well to structure. Now, growing up, she has a different marriage, right? She marries Octavio, and her husband cheats on her, and her reaction is, uh, baby me first. <laughs> she kind of has a, an affair in response and uh, enters into this really strange epiphany at the end and plot. <laughs> Oh, man, this is like the best cliffhanger ever. I was mad and happy at the same time. So good. So good. Oh, this book. <laughs> All right. So in terms of analysis, I want to start off with talking about the consciousness of this book. What is in the universe, in the knowledge? Where does it start? Where does it end? Is it our world? That sort of thing. And you'll notice that when the book kicks itself off, there's these references to the clock. And there's these sound effects that tindlin, tindlin. And then it just goes mm. away. It just goes away. And then we actually, at the end of the book, come back to the clock references as well. And again, that's when the tindlin, tindlin, you know, the tick, tick, tick in, in American, I assume, um, is, is how we would interpret that sound. And that comes back at the end of the book. And what so much of the consciousness of this book is, is it revolves around this you know, this Ouroboros type of concept of, of just a circular motion of creation, destruction, and creation and destruction. And even the novel kind of exists in that realm too, where if you think about a clock, it starts at 12, 12 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And going around you, then. you go around, you know, if you're assuming you have a 12-hour, 24-hour clock, whatever, it goes around, <laughs> let's say, 24-hour clock, a full day, and you're going to end up right at the exact same spot that you started, kind of. But when you end up at the spot that you started, it's a moment of, of destruction of the previous day, and it's also a moment of creation of the next day. And you'll see that she keeps bringing up the dang chicken and the egg throughout this whole piece, right? And I think, you know, yeah. the, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? I don't know if it matters, right? It's it's this constant evolution of creation and destruction. And that's what she's creating in this novel as well. And she uses animals almost as kind of like a, you need to throw off your moralistic and high standards that, that you believe and just realize that this world is heartless. This world doesn't care what your virtues are. It's a constant cycle of creation and destruction. And you need to accept that is 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 one way I think you can interpret this novel. And I, and I have a quote for you uh, from the story that I think kind of encapsulates all of this with the idea of the crashing of the waves because they are bringing life, but also the destruction of kind of the ocean as well. And in the story, it says, quote, the grains of sand nipped her skin, buried themselves in it. Even with her eyes closed, she felt, she felt that on the beach, the waves were sucked back by the sea quickly, quickly, also with closed eyelids. Then they meekly returned, palms splayed, body loose. She was good to hear their sound. I am a person, and lots of things would follow. What? Whatever happened, she would tell herself, no one would understand anyway. Oof. Right? Like, you don't understand the journey, but everybody kind of understands that stopping and starting point at 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. 
And she has these quotes throughout the novel. Like we have one that said, death would connect her with childhood, which out of context is like, what? What the heck does that mean? But when you bring it into the consciousness of this creation and destruction cycle, it's quite interesting the way that she brings the the viper consuming itself in the chicken and the head head um loop concept yeah and i love that her quote on this it just it really ties together uh how you can see the life and death together where it says her life was made up of complete little lives of whole closed circles which isolated themselves from one another so cool so cool the imagery there of Mm -hmm. that because i can totally picture that in my head and she even had those concepts of like a circle is in and of itself defined by itself like you can't use other words to really describe circle and if you try to add other things to the circle becomes something else a circle must be in and defined of itself is what i thought was really kind of interesting maybe because if you say well it's round like what do you mean like a circle (laughs) right so let's let's move to on to freedoms and obligations in this story because i think that's kind of one of the main thrusts of this too that i think is even more graspable than that previous point but marriage was was meant to be empowering. It was actually illegal, I think, until 1977 in Brazil. And here comes along Clarice Lispector, you know, many apologies to her new her new husband at this point in time, who is talking about how marriage can take away. This is kind of like a very mature and elongated version of Story of an Hour by Kate Chopin, that we learn that that marriage it's not that Otavio was wrong or that he did something evil or immoral. It's the, the, the expectations that marriage put onto her were too draining for Joanna. Yeah. She's, she's put in this situation and it limits what she's able to do and not do. And, it, and there's no one person to blame. It's not Joanna or, or anyone. It's just ha- it's happenstance of what unfolds in someone's life. And I think that Lispector is trying to work out some of those ideas of what has happened and what she's had control of and what that's done to her own personal life. Well, in no respect to Kate Chopin, but, you know, three pages as opposed to a 200 page book, right? So Lispector fleshes this out further, I feel like, with what is it that's so draining about marriage in in her view. And I think you can see it kind of like going back to the chicken and the egg conversation. You'll notice that she put cages on a lot of things in this book, both around the chicken, right, with the chicken coop, with that being a cage put around her, but also even Clarice Lispector herself. There were many cages and railings throughout this entire book that was clearly meant to be kind of like a symbolic representation of holding her back. And I think there's two elements to this. There's constantly references to the animals being caged. And I think that's combined with the idea that Joanna felt caged, not by necessarily, I mean, yes, by marriage, but almost by the virtue and the expectations of what moralistic standards human beings have to follow in a marriage. And I think that's where this novel kind of leads. You know, we end up at this kind of steamy soap opera moment when she's cheating on him. And it's kind of real unrealistic in the sense of how you'd expect normal people to behave when she actually meets Lydia. And she's like, so uh, I need to get babied up first before I let you have Otavio. Like, I need to get knocked up. And it's just it's just this really interesting moment. But what I think she's doing is she had this this moment of freedom in childhood. And they always talk about the walls being a cocoon around her, about how the men in pictures on the walls stared at her and surrounded her. This... 
idea of, of her creation, creating a baby, creating another human being, is part of her liberating standards, not just from a creation standpoint, but also from a destruction of the cage that these, the, you know, society has certain expectations and obligations put onto women by breaking those and doing it on her own terms and wills in the same way that the vipers and the horses and the animals in this world procreate. She's destroying these virtues that are being thrust upon her as well as part of like this really associative thinking way to tie in kind of like the creation and destruction with why she's trying to kind of break these traditional virtues that humanity tries to put on her. I totally agree. I think that 100% that Lispector is writing these kind of layered ideas of Brazil's expectation of women and that saying, all right, well, there's one way that we're supposed to be because we're literally an animal. There's another way that we're supposed to be because of religion and Catholicism in Portugal or in Brazil. And then there's a third way of what it means to be a wife in this relationship. And she wants to break all three of those. And and it's interesting because I have a very different moralistic standard. I have a very different viewpoint on life than, than Clarice, but I love her writing. But I understand some of where she's coming from because I think, you know, even from like a woman's perspective, there's talks about the time clock, right? Women can only have babies for so long in their life. And there's women that talk about how well you know, my I lose my beauty as I get older, and that was a main attracting factor for them for, for men. Well, men have a similar experience too, right? Like where, where the men that are real wild, you hear like, they that guy needs to find a woman. He needs to settle down because he knows a woman will tame him. When we enter into these constructs of these relationships, it changes our pure vitality and inner element and we are giving up something, not necessarily, to me, it's not necessarily in a bad way, but in this, this novel, for some people, I think they can see the, you know, for us, it's maybe a window, for me, it's a window, but for some people see that they see the mirror where these things are just zapping things out of them. They are losing their biological time clock. They're losing their beauty for men. They're losing their vitality and their energy. There's a lot of different ways that you can look at it, but it's also a creation and destruction cycle that you are giving up some things when entering into these contractual agreements of how this is how I'm supposed to behave in this situation. And isn't it funny that she's like, well, I'm in this contract with this marriage and he cheated on me, but this is still something that I want and I'm okay with it. And then she gets what she wants and she's like, eh, and I think I'm going to go cheat too. <laughs> well, and, and it's it's so like, wow, that just like is doubling down. Well, it's so easy to enter into the hallmark response of he cheated on me. I hated him. I feel so betrayed, right? Like, okay, is that, this is a fictional story. Yes, that's true. But aren't there also elements of, well, I'm mad at him, but he's still my life. I've given so much up for him or her and, and there still is love, but there is also pure hatred too. And I think that's what this novel is able to capture magnificently is the conflicting feelings that we can have in these situations that the Hallmark movies completely skip over. Yeah, and I think Lispector here is telling you, hey, you don't have to be defined by social norms, and you sure as heck don't have to be defined by a relationship, because Joanna is proving that time and time again. And that's a huge message for anybody reading this story, but especially, you know, young women. So I want to move into some conversations that I had with Roz from Scandal of Dandling about the books. Um, 
we kind of started talking about some symbols that we both kind of picked up on. And you can kind of view it like the sound and the fury with Benji, where when he thinks about something, it triggers this memory for something else, right? And throughout this whole book, we have all of these references to green ships, uh, cages, men, and such. And uh, it's not meant to draw a complete picture so much as associative thinking for how it bounces around. But we have this quote from the opening chapter, Housewife, Husband, Children. Green for the man, white for the woman, scarlet could be the son or the daughter. And I think Clarice, what's so magnificent about her is she creates her own symbols and and palette for how she creates each of her writings. And she makes a promise to the reader to use these symbols, including water and the colors green throughout this whole piece. The spectacles. <laughs> yeah. You have to kind of almost associative think your way through some of these these quotes, I feel like, in this piece. Now, later in the book is when she cheats on the man. And uh, I think we have some interesting elements here where we have a quote where she says, A trickle of water ran unceasingly down the dark wall. Joanna stopped for a moment, stared at it, empty, impassive. On one of her walks, she had sat next to the rusty little gate, her face pressed against the cold bars, trying to sink into the moist, dark smell of the yard. So again, we come back to the concept of a gate holding her back from, you know, the moistness, the wetness. It's, it's, Clarice is clearly painting that something is holding her back from connecting with this, this water, this greenness, this element of manness in the story. I think here too, we can see that Clarice is saying, hey, you know, your emotions can get the better of you, no matter how tough or strong you are or how determined or what you think you're going to do in life. Your emotions can override logic sometimes. It's kind of how I interpreted uh, that quote. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, earlier we talked about that quote, death would connect her with her childhood. And believe it or not, the very next line is, but the bars of the gate were man-made. So very clearly, in this moment when we're talking about that circular element, we see once again she's bringing up the gates, something that's holding her back, something that's caging her, and she's talking about it being man-made. I wonder, is the translation there literally man? I wonder if it, this, again, is kind of that thing of going back to the, the men and women. You know, that's a good question. There's, there's so many elements of this that... I just don't want to bug Igor constantly with, hey, man, what was the translation for this? But you have these... Let's like, do it live right now. <laughs> you, you had all of these lines. Like in this scene, when she's talking about being in this room, we have the scent of old apples, sweet and old, that came from the walls. So again, she's used the walls multiple times to talk about cages. And again, apples being a representative of the Garden of Eden and the creation and destruction, the destruction of the old perfect life, the creation of the man-made theoretical biblical life of, of a fallen state in a sense too she's constantly bringing in these creation and destruction elements through this whole piece yeah. i also like what she's done too is i mean if you go back through of all the quotes we've done so far there's always so many different sensory elements that it, it, it isn't overwhelming though because i mean you have all these sights and sounds and smells but they're all written well together and it's, it's beautifully orchestrated to make you feel like you're going through this story and there's so little plot and you're okay with that because it's so well written or at least translated. And I think sometimes you feel it, but you don't, you don't know what you're thinking, but you can feel it. You know what I mean? You can you, feel it. Yeah. Do you remember what she saw in the picture on the wall at that moment? Wasn't it? There was a flower. Wasn't it a flower? 
It was a little ship on an excessively oh. green waves, almost submerged. So right here, when she's cheating on Otavio with this man, in a sense, she's finally entering into the green sea where she was traditionally held back by the gate. What was the gate? Potentially, that could be the virtues of mankind, of the Bible, of, of marriage, of how a woman should act. She finally broke free of those gates and is now submerged in the green water in this scene is one way to kind of associatively think about this. It makes me think about that bumper sticker that, uh, what is it, uh, uh, well-behaved women rarely make history. <laughs> That's Clarice Lispector, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think Little Misbehave Clarice leads to this last chapter, which is, which is just this trip chapter that I absolutely loved. And we have the quote, the ship floated lightly on the sea, like on gentle open hands. She leaned over the railing on the deck and felt tenderness rising slowly and enveloping her in sadness. And I think this just kind of really visually, emotionally spoke to me. The idea of the railings, once again, railings are something you can half lean over, half be held back by. Again, she's got this idea of sadness and the sea lifting her up, but in a moment of sadness, it really just encapsulates the complicated emotions and the symbol the unique symbology that Clarice has kind of been using and leveraging throughout this whole chapter. To me, it also talked about, you know, protection that sometimes you don't want to be protected. You don't want to be helped. You want to have that opportunity to make mistakes for yourself and live with those consequences because it's going to change you maybe for the better. And that's something she's trying to say is like, don't be caged in. You have to try to live your own life. Well, and what's interesting is it's, it's this inevitable pull that she feels, right? Because she grew up fleeing from, from, Poland, right? Because they were being persecuted, ran, were refugees to Brazil. And even in Brazil, uh, growing up in the, the 30s and the 40s, you had terrible anti-Semitic thoughts and treatments and concerns of, oh my gosh, is Brazil going to become this totalitarian anti-Semitic government as World War II starts to rage on? Her husband joins into the, as an ambassador. Incredibly complex story, but this kind of leads her to push away from from religion from her her jewish background but at the same time you'll notice throughout her whole life she's constantly kind of pulled back to it her entire life is defined by the 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 betrayal that she felt from religion and that constant need and mystical search almost to find god and you see this kind of in maybe some of those conversations about creation and destruction in this novel too yeah, well said. I think that she uh, is looking for answers just like all of us. She just is a better writer than all of us. <laughs> she sure is, you know, and, and just to kind of for a couple of people that might be like, well, you know, I felt it, but I wasn't sure how to articulate it. I just want to throw a few examples out there. But when, um, you know, their family friend came over to meet her father and her, they had this communion like dinner. Right. And Joanna, she doesn't eat the bread. She specifically turns it down just like communion. And she, we got the quote, fortunately, I get the impression Joanna is going to follow her own path. And that is so true for how Clarice led her life. And does she turn out okay in the end? You know, the, the epiphany at the end was probably the highlight, the climax of the story for me. I can, and I realize it might infuriate some people, but that whole emotional roller coaster was just something that I would, 
I will ride that coaster again at some point in my life. I will definitely reread this novel. Um, and, and just that concept of, of how the father was holding an egg and talking about creation with Joanna. It's just something that I could feel deep down inside, but maybe I can't articulate the best way. Well, see, the good thing about that is, Una, is you don't have to. I know that you have another perfect Lespector quote for me that will do it better than you can. So hit me. A God possessed of free will is lesser than a God with a single law. In the same way that a concept is all the more true when it need not transform itself when faced with every individual case, God's perfection is proven more by the impossibility of miracles than by the possibility. So a very unique stance with the idea of miracles make, like she's literally saying miracles make God look weak. Because he creates this world, he creates these structures, and he, and when we create structures as imperfect beings, we constantly have to have exceptions, asterisks, we have to have amendments to our constitutions. Here she is saying the fact that he doesn't perform miracles anymore is actually all the more powerful, because then he's not admitting he made a mistake. He intended things to work this way, and that makes for a more powerful God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I I guess. Can you imagine her? She's just sitting there, you know, at her typewriter and she's, you know, staring at a crucifix or, you know, she has her notes out. And I can just imagine like her imagining saying this to a priest or to the Pope or something. And they're just like, whoa, can you write me a sermon? Because that's awesome. I I imagine. So powerful. I imagine most people left the room from from meeting with Clarice speechless like just what do you say to this this woman that comes up with these most unique ways of phrasing and bringing out things that you feel that you don't know how to articulate it, yeah. and, and, and they always go ahead and they always say you know if you could meet anybody from history who would you meet and everybody always picks you know the obvious ones of like Lincoln and Jesus and this and that and everything and i think i would put her maybe like in my top 10 that i would want to sit down and i want to have you know a, a beer have a drink with her and have lunch and just philosophize and talk about this and you know pull those things out that maybe she didn't want to put down in cuz i know there was more i know there was more had to be she's just too well versed it just seems like every journalists that tried just hit dead end after dead end like she just would not answer questions she was so dodgy which just leads all the more credence to how ben moser made a lifetime project of creating this biography creating this biography from this truly enigmatic person uh quite quite yeah. the quite the interest in and in trying to pull out you know her you know her own influences in terms of Dostoevsky, in terms of, of Herman Hess, in terms of Spinoza, which, you know, his philosophy had a heavy influence on this novel. We're not Spinoza specialists, so we can't really speak to that. But um, the ability to try to understand her through what influenced her is maybe sometimes the closest we're going to get to understanding her. Yeah, until we meet her in heaven, right? <laughs> Guys, we're going to leave a Lespector playlist down below because we've we're going to have tons of videos for you. <laughs> By the time you read this, we'll probably have a video on every single one of her works, right? Yeah. I hope to. Yeah, we can't stop now. All right, Crypto, we are going to move into our wrap-up and ratings. Let's do this real quick. What are you going to give this one? I think we've gushed enough over her. Uh, if I had to put a number to this, which I think is kind of unfair, uh, we've read some amazing novels 
on this channel and over the course of my life, I have as well. Uh, if I've got to give it a number, 9.5, 9.8, 9.9, I mean, it's got to go in top 10 something. <laughs> it's incredible. Read this. Read this book. You're, yeah. you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, something, something unique happened while reading this book, and I don't know what it was. I really don't. It was a 9.5 for me, so definitely recommended for you guys to check it out. If you guys are down for awesome literature and discussions like this, please make sure you guys hit that subscribe button to follow us on this journey. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, we look forward to talking to you down in the comments down below. Una out. Peace.